The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Joint Oireachtas Committee on Autism uh, meeting uh, tomorrow. They have been meeting uh, to talk about different ways in which politicians and policymakers can continue to try and uh, best offer supports to uh, people who are autistic and to people who care for them. And of course, a, a, a di- diagnosis of autism can, can mean a whole range of different things for different people. But for some, for some autistic people, it means acute care needs need to be provided, sometimes 24-7. Catherine Cox is with me. She is Head of Communication and Policy at Family Carers Ireland. Catherine, uh, you're very welcome to the show. Um, I mean, it, it, it is interesting that this is one of the things they are talking about because all too often, and it's not just the case uh, with, with um, autistic uh, kids or adults, but in all other areas, it's the carers get forgotten about, don't they? They do, Karen. I know you've had carers on many, many times talking about how they often feel very isolated um, and they're like that hidden army almost who are providing care behind closed doors and many people don't know they're even doing it yet. They're saving our state $20 billion every year, caring, as you said, for children, adults, older people. And actually 52% of carers in this country are actually juggling care in the home with paid work. And that brings another, I suppose, additional challenges in terms of how can they stay in the workforce. Um, and ideally, if somebody can continue working while providing care, that is probably the best scenario because they continue to have a social outlet. They don't become financially, um, you know, they don't find that they're struggling financially if they can continue working. But I suppose in order to do that for family carers, they certainly need a supportive mm. employer. Um, and I suppose that today is uh, the National Family Day. And I know we're going to talk about Vodafone's um, new policy uh, for supporting employees who are caring for a loved one. And, you know, when we think of caring, we often think that, it, as you said, it's people caring at home 24-7. And we have over 250,000 of those carers. But we also have those carers juggling, as I said, care outside mm. the home with, I, with care in the home. It, it, it's interesting, you know, you mentioned that the, the, the saving they're making for the state. I mean, we often mm-hmm. kind of we're, we're engaging in... in inspection and introspection about our own history and people talk about how the state kind of effectively left social services to the church to be run for so long. I mean, this is an element of social services as well that that the state kind of, to a large degree, wash their hands off. They think kind of mom and dad or aunt or uncle or brother or sister will do that work for us. Absolutely. And I think the biggest problem is that it is taken for granted. They know that a mom or a dad or a son or daughter are not going to walk away from the person they're caring for. And they're going to continue doing it despite the lack of services and supports um, that may be there. So unfortunately, that, that love, as you said, is taken for granted. And it means that so many carers do it without the necessary supports and services that they need to care safely. Um, so it is time for us, well, their state to step up um, as well and, you know, put in place those supports that they do need. And give us a sense of... of I suppose the the lived reality for a lot of the the, the carers you represent, because as, as as you said, I've spoken to them, and what always strikes me is, I mean, I can walk out of here in forty minutes time at seven o'clock. That's my day's work is done. I mean, for people who are caring, that there is no clocking off; it never ends. There isn't, and I mean, if you look at it, respite, for example. So, I mean, we we all work. I work outside the home. I have an entitlement to twenty days plus holidays every year quite often a family care, particularly those not working outside the home, they have no entitlement to even one day off in the year. And a very 
significant ask that we have put to government and will continue to put is that every family care who's providing high levels of care should be entitled to a minimum of 20 days respite every year um, so that at least they can step away, take a break from their caring role. But the only way they can do that is if somebody can step in and look after the person they are caring for, particularly if that's somebody with high dependency mm. needs. So we do need to move to a right space support for family carers. Um, and we also need to, I suppose, normalise family caring as well, because quite often people almost feel stigmatised. It, it's a little bit like mental health was 20, 30 years ago where nobody would talk about it. We see that that same situation happens with family carers. Sometimes they don't self-identify as a carer because they see themselves, I'm a mom, I'm a dad, um, so I'm not a carer. But they can be both. They can be a mom, a dad, a son, a daughter, but also a family carer. And we need carers to self-identify. We need society to accept that caring is a really important part of our society. But in order for it to continue and for carers to provide the care that they do, we need to support it. And there's a very interesting referendum coming up in November, which actually will hopefully put into the Constitution, first of all, it will value and recognise family care, but also we hope that we'll put in place um, mm. the supports that carers need to do that. So that's really important in our referendum in November, and we'd encourage people um, to engage with that and support that that change. And I, I know, as you said, we're, we're going to talk about, uh, you know, one company who, who is, uh, you know, uh, offering some of the things you're talking about in just a moment. But I, I can understand, Catherine, why lots of people you describe as carers um, who are going into work uh, every day and trying to hold down the, the job that's paying the bills and then all too often is paying for the, the care, supplementing the, the, the paucity of, of intervention and therapies that the state is meant to be providing. We won't even get into that uh, uh, problem now for the moment. But you can understand why somebody in that situation, they, I suppose they don't want to, to go to their, their line manager, their employer, their boss, whoever it happens to be, and say, I want or I need 5 to 10, 15, 20 days leave. I mean, you know, it's 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 a, it's a kind of acknowledging a vulnerability and the fear, the, the kind of understandable fear we have is that, oh, is my boss going to think I'm not really up to the job if I need all this time off? Mm, absolutely. Or, I mean, most carers would say to us, those that are working outside the home would say that they take annual leave when they have to bring the person they're caring for to the hospital, to av- appointments or therapies, because they feel it shows a vulnerability or maybe then they might be passed over for promotion in some companies if you know, their their line manager feels, well, maybe, as you said, they're not up for the job or, you know, they could ring in at very short notice. So it's why flexibility is so important from an employer's perspective. If you have carers, and every employer has somebody who is caring in their employment, because one in nine people are juggling both care and working. So every employer, no matter how big or small, you will have carers in your employment, whether you know it or not. But I can guarantee they will be the best employees you will have because they can prioritise, they can juggle 50 balls in the air, they can work to very tight deadlines. They're so used to battling and fighting for everything they have to get and they're conscientious they're so dedicated and committed to what they do. They're the best people you can have. So you need to retain those people. And the way you do that is by putting in place supportive policies um, and procedures like Vodafone, like we're going to talk about, so that you can recruit and retain those people and keep them in your employment. And that's future-proofing your workforce. 
um, and ensuring that those people stay with you. Well, uh, Elaine Kelly is with us uh, as well. And Elaine, I know you, you'll understand a lot of the struggles that uh, Catherine is, is talking about and describing uh, there uh, because you've been caring for your 13-year-old, is that right? 13-year-old right, son, yeah. Daniel. So tell me a little bit about about what that means to yeah. be a carer for Daniel. Sure, cool. Um, so first of all, I'm a mum to two boys. We talk about Daniel, but I also have a son, James, who's turning 11 this week. Um, and I suppose nine years ago, um, I got the news with my husband that Daniel has has autism. And our journey then started. So, you know, anyone who's who's like me and, and you get your diagnosis, you get a booklet of 25, 30 pages uh, uh, in a language that you don't understand uh, and you don't know where to go to get the information. So your journey starts to understand how you can help and how you can prepare your son then for the future. Um, and that takes time. So no, not, not only do you have to have time to source all the therapies and treatments that's recommended, but you also need to self-educate because you need to understand and help for the future. So that's what we did. We we immersed ourselves in training. Um, we sought and looked for uh, therapies and therapists that suited Daniel based on his uh, diagnosis. Um, and that's the journey we've been on for the last nine years. And how, I mean, when I talk about there never being a, a kind of a downtime, I mean, how time consuming can it be? How much can it impact the ability to to maintain the other spinning plates yeah. in our lives. Uh, yeah, well, as I said, I'm a mum, I'm a wife, I'm a friend, I'm a colleague, I have a full-time job um, and it's busy. But I think the most important part for us was early intervention for Daniel. So we did everything we could to ensure that he was set up and that the progression was really positive. Um, but I suppose the real crux of it uh, is to a lot, as, as well as the understanding, it's the acceptance. So getting the news that your child is not, you know, what you thought or, or the life that you'd planned, mm. uh, that takes time. And I, I do recall grieving the life that I had planned because I had this whole different life uh, planned out for Daniel. Then you're told he has autism and then you stop in your path. So that takes time to accept it and then to educate and have a career. And, and work and keep the home life as well. So it's a lot of spinning plates, but I was really, really fortunate in, in the company and the roles that I had. Yeah, so tell me a little bit about that because I know you, you're with Vodafone, large business propositions manager at Vodafone Ireland. Yeah. And, and tell me then about uh, the flexibility you had then in work and the flexibility they're now offering others. Yeah, so if I go back nine years, uh, and this is our pre-COVID times. Yes. Um, so... Myself and my husband were working full time five days a week and commuting um, and two small children uh, to look after. Um, and that's fine. But I had super support, um, really, really, really supportive managers who gave me the time. And if I needed the annual leave for intense, you know, the diagnosis, the understanding, the mental health and starting those, sourcing those therapists is a job in itself. Yeah. It takes a lot of time. Their books are full. You go on to the next one, but you keep going. That's what you do. Roll on now today. And, and for people who are, are who are on this path or who are about to go on this path, we have such super supports. We have flexible hours. We've hybrid working. We've part time. We've term time. We've annual leave. So we've a lot of supports existing and this new policy and support just enhances that even further. So tell me about the new policy then. 
Yeah, so we just we launched it today, um, which is fantastic. It's 10 additional annual leave days per year for people who are carers for a vulnerable loved one. And I think that that's the most important piece. It can be a friend, a child, a parent. When we did our research and I did, I spoke to a lot of people uh, internally and I got a sense of. So I started this uh, ask initially with HR for it to be parent of a child with special needs because that's who I am and I understand that. But as I spoke internally, I heard uh, different conversations about people who had caring responsibilities for parents or the dreaded COVID. They befriended people, their neighbours, they were checking in and then because people couldn't travel, Mm. that relationship blossomed. And is it interesting that you're kind of echoing a point Catherine was making and it's not (laughs) bringing on the radio and accused you of ignorance, but you didn't realise those people existed. And Catherine, you know, touched on that, that people don't kind of put their hand up and and necessarily tell people, by the way, you know, I go home and I have to mind mum and dad and it is intense. Yeah, I think I think we did know. I just don't think people felt at ease or comfortable to disclose it. Yes. So I think, you know, we yes, we get the additional 10 days uh, leave, paid leave. But I think the most important piece for this uh, support is to help the dialogue open the conversation because you genuinely do not know what people are dealing with at home. Yeah. Um, And that can have such an impact on how you perform, your mood, so much. So I just think it helps with the dialogue and the, the conversation yeah. to have that uh, openness. Well, listen, I'm sure everybody who avails of it will be thankful for its existence hugely. Elaine, thanks a million for, for talking about it. Uh, Elaine Kelly's largest biz, large business propositions manager at Vodafone uh, Ireland. She was champion of this uh, initiative there. Uh, Mum to two. Uh, important to say uh, that's all another aspect of all of this as well is that the other kids often get pushed to the side with all of the focus uh, so Elaine thanks a million for coming into us and Catherine Cox as well from Family Carers Art The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan weekdays from 4 on News Talk.